circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone country, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, we're in conversation with two phenomenal women, Dr. Cynthia Lee, author of Brave New Medicine, and Liz Carlisle, author of Healing Grounds, climate justice, and the deep roots of regenerative farming. These women's work is truly groundbreaking, even evolutionary. And I'm Joy Moore, your host tonight. Join us as we explore and discover new ways of self-care, gaining and maintaining health, right here on Full Circle, KPFA 94.1 FM, or online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned. I'm honored and happy to introduce our two guests tonight. First, Dr. Cynthia Lee, who's very much responsible for helping me to regain balance in my health and well-being, and whose book, Brave New Medicine, details a disabling autoimmune illness that forced her to question her medical training and embrace the principles of integrative and functional medicine, and to unlock her body's innate potential to heal. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much, Joy. It's wonderful to be here with you. And I have to say, your work and the help you gave me were enormously responsible for my regaining my balance, my appetite, and the ability to nourish myself and, and to regain some of the weight loss I had. And I also learned a lot about myself and self-love and self-care. <laughs> and we're also joined by Liz Carlisle, Assistant Professor in Environmental Studies Program at UC Santa Barbara, and author of Healing Grounds, Climate Justice and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming, which highlights a powerful movement in farming today. Farmers are reconnecting with their roots to fight climate change. And in Healing Grounds, Liz Carlisle tells the stories of indigenous, black, Latinx, and Asian American farmers who are reviving their ancestors' methods of growing food techniques long suppressed by the industrial food system. These farmers are restoring native prairies, nurturing beneficial fungi, and enriching soil health, while feeding their communities and revitalizing cultural ties to land. They are steadily stitching ecosystems back together and repairing the natural carbon cycle. Carlisle shows this is the true regenerative agriculture not really a set of technical tricks for storing CO2 in the ground, but a holistic approach that values diversity in both plants and people. Cultivating this kind of regenerative farming will require reckoning with our nation's agricultural history, a history marked by discrimination and displacement, and it will ultimately require dismantling power structures that have blocked many farmers of color from owning land or building wealth. The task is great, but so is its promise. By coming together to restore these farmlands, we can not only heal our planet, 
we can heal our communities and ourselves. And again, Liz's work, she and our personal experiences and relationship were instrumental in my healing. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for having me, Joy. And it's great to be here with you, Cynthia, as well. Yeah, I know that was a lot. And I had to get all of that out. (laughs) And we will hear from both of you shortly. I just wanted to take a, a quick music break and catch my breath. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. This is Full Circle, and I'm your host tonight. And we just heard, um, where did we all go wrong? But we're going to talk about what we can do to go right. And we're joined by Dr. Cynthia Lee and Liz Carlisle, authors, and much more, both contributing to the health and well-being of our communities with their groundbreaking works. I'm again honored to have with us Dr. Cynthia Lee, and glad to have you here. Could you just share with us how and why you wrote the book, Brave New Medicine? Absolutely. The book is a memoir, and it is the, the story of how 
I came to be trained as a doctor, you know, what my calling was when I was uh, young. And I went a very conventional route in Western medicine and trained at one of the top institutions in internal medicine, which is the specialty that treats adults with chronic diseases. And a few years after I uh, graduated from residency training and I became a new mother, I developed, um, it began as an autoimmune thyroid condition, which is very, very common. And I did what any doctor patient would do, is I sought out the top experts uh, at a top medical center, and I was treated. My thyroid condition by the labs actually totally resolved a year later, um, but my symptoms did not. And so this began what would be um, you know, an over-decade-long odyssey into really understanding what is disease and what is health and recognizing the much broader and deeper paradigms that, uh, you know, that our bodies are ecosystems and not sort of isolated tissues and organs and cells, which is how in my training we had been taught. And I will say that a couple of years after my thyroid condition, quote, resolved, uh, at least by the tests, um, I had my second pregnancy, and that was the the tipping point for my my body's ecosystem. I, I could not I couldn't function anymore, and so uh, I was really I was housebound um, for a couple of years, and largely housebound for that decade when I was really searching within myself and also outside of myself for the path. So even though Brave New Medicine is really, you know, we could say it's a doctor's healing journey, it's really about paradigm shifts. It's about our beliefs, our perceptions, and how they can either trap or free us. So I'm telling you, the book is fantastic, and I I use it as a reference. And I want to talk more about the idea of the body as a whole thing. It's one of the ideas that you presented to me that saved me, that if you have a, uh, your head is hurting or your feet are hurting, it's just, your whole body is affected. It's one whole system. And that was a new idea that I, I work with now. And also the idea of us having control or being able to take control of our health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would phrase it as um, taking agency over our health. Control can be um, sometimes very rigid and associated with fear. So agency is really how do we connect with ourselves as, again, as ecosystems. So our body as is an ecosystem. We've got an ecosystem of uh, hundreds of trillions of microorganisms within our gut, on our skin, in our nose, mouth, and reproductive areas. And then we live within ecosystems as well. So there's a constant exchange of fluidity, and yet we have a certain sense of agency in how it is that we move uh, both in, uh, in alignment with our own ecosystems as well as the ecosystems within us and uh, outside of us. So that's really how I like to look at it. And 
In functional medicine, you know, the first way of training is more of reductionist science, right? And it's, and I'm not disparaging my Western medicine training at all. And I, I use it, I integrate it. So they're not either or, they're both and, but we're taught very much in a reductionist um, model so that we can sift through the complexity of information, right? We're trying to isolate, does this particular drug, does that particular um, toxin or does that particular food, what is the effect on the body? And so it's useful to understand cause and effect. But because we are living ecosystems and containing ecosystems, and there's this constant dynamic change, the reduction of science has to be able to be applied to life. And that's what I lived through. You know, I mean, I was looking at my labs and saying, okay, at a snapshot and in this particular diagnostic uh, in this criteria, I am, quote, fine. But my lived experience was I am not fine. So something was still imbalanced. And healing is really finding and restoring balance. So a simpler way to look at that and break it down is just to say that there are five general categories that cause disease or cause, you know, more imbalances. And that's allergens and infections. And those are usually kind of stealth allergens or infections, um, things that people don't even know that they're being triggered because they're so ubiquitous. Pollutants and stress, which can be emotional, mental, or physical, uh, and a poor diet. And then on the other side, where we're really looking at are, you know, what are the essential ingredients for optimal health? And so here we're looking at real food. Right. We're looking at a healthy environment uh, with air, water, light, you know, just the, the basics of and, and recognizing that we are living beings, you know, and not digital, not uh, machines. And so, yes, we need water. We need air. We need light. We need sleep. That's another ingredient. We need adequate sleep. We also need quality sleep, relaxation and pleasure, exercise or movement, Hormone balance, which I actually like to call internal alignment, right? So our, our functioning is this: are the systems inside of us communicating properly, and then community, love, and purpose. So, in functional medicine, if you think of the body maybe as a tree, right? So the symptoms and the conditions that we can diagnose are on the leaves, and so we're really oftentimes in the Western paradigm looking at the outer layer or the very external layer. And then in functional medicine, we want to go down into the roots. What's feeding this tree and how do we um, help the tree to thrive? This is great. You helped me so much when you had me think of myself as out of balance and not ill. Because when I was referred to you by um, Ruta, I, I called you because I thought and felt I was sick. I was ill. I wasn't able to eat. But you helped me understand that I was... Um, a whole system, and that I was out of balance. And that helped me. It made me feel like there was an active agency, as you said, that I could use to help myself rebalance. And that, with your care and the, and the um, supplements and the routine you helped me develop, of one, not going to the scale every day, because I was losing weight every single day. <laughs> and it was causing me anxiety, and you suggested I not do that, but try to eat or drink something instead. And all of these all of the time you spent with me and the help you gave me really helped me so much. And I, I want to encourage people to think about their health um, holistically and their body as, uh, as one unit. And get Dr. Lee's book. <laughs>
Thank you, Dr. Lee. We're going to take a quick music break and come back with Liz Carlisle to join the conversation. Stay tuned. I found myself dreaming in silver and gold Like a scene from a movie that every broken heart knows We were walking on moonlight and you pulled me close Split second and you disappeared and then I whisper of smoke you could lose everything the truth is you never know so I'll kiss you longer babe in a chance that I get I'll make the most of the minutes alone with no regrets let's take our time to say what we want use what we got before it's all Right, we just heard, I'm going to love you like I'm going to lose you. And I am myself learning to love myself that way. I'm realizing that I will be 
my life will change, and I'm going to live myself all through the process. So, so we're excited tonight to share the work of our two guests. Um, we heard a little bit from Dr. Lee, Cynthia Lee, and I'd like to bring Liz's voice into it and our experience and conversation we had a couple of months ago here on KPFA. We explored her book just briefly. It's called Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming. And the book has really impacted my life. And Liz and I have a personal relationship. And she introduced me and gave me a copy of the book. And I've been using it. And it goes along with my work as a gardener and teacher, nutrition teacher at um, Berkeley Schools. So I'm excited to have you back again. And I want to thank you as well for helping me through my journey of rebalance and ask you the same question that I asked Dr. Lee. Just tell us how and why you wrote this book. Yeah, well, great to be here. And I'm already learning so much from Dr. Lee. I love this um, conversation among women about these deep principles of healing. I guess where I'll start is, is that my grandmother, Helen, was a really important person in my life. And she's passed now, but I got a good 30 years with her, and I count myself really lucky. And she grew up on a small farm in western Nebraska. And my sense of her was as this very grounded and connected person. And it seemed to me that that came from her deep relationship with land. But her family lost that farm when she was still a, a very young woman in the Dust Bowl, which was a tragic event for her whole community and, and really a whole swath of um, you know the Midwestern part of the American continent. Um, and so they lost their farm. Um, most of their neighbors lost their farms too. There had been all of this soil erosion, and it was due to overplowing. Um, you know, these this was a homesteading generation and the next generation. They were European immigrants. They really didn't understand how to take care of this arid landscape that had been stolen from indigenous people um, not that long before they arrived. And um, so even though my grandmother is a child experienced this deep relationship with land, there was this rupture right away because of this failure of her society and community to really understand how to be in a long-term, mutually beneficial relationship with that land. And she was really honest with me about all the parts of that experience, the beautiful parts and also the tragic parts. And it left me with this um, kind of quest for my life to try to recover that relationship with land um, for my family, for our lineage. Um, I wanted that groundedness that my grandmother has had, um, but also to try to find a way to be in relationship with land that was mutual and that wasn't going to end in that kind of tragedy. So, um, you know, now I'm a professor at UC Santa Barbara in environmental studies, and for the last dozen years, I've been working as a writer and researcher to understand how farming can go from being an environmental problem that causes environmental damage to really being part of ecological restoration, and particularly in the context of climate change, which is such a huge environmental challenge for, for my generation. But underlying that is this kind of personal quest to, to rebuild my own relationship with land in a healthy way. And so this book, Healing Grounds, it features four women 
who are all revitalizing long-standing traditions of regenerative agriculture, so a way of raising food that gives back to land rather than taking from land, that come from ancestral traditions within their own communities. And for these women, this is really important, both as a way of responding to climate change and literally drawing carbon out of the atmosphere and restoring it back into the soil, but also as a way of responding to racial injustice. And something that really struck me about these conversations with these four women is that I had always thought about climate change in agriculture as a relatively recent problem that arose, you know, maybe in the last 75 to 100 years as agriculture industrialized. And so then we got all these greenhouse gases. But they really helped me to see that the reason that we have so much, you know, 25 to, to 25% to a third of greenhouse gases globally come from agriculture, they helped me to see that that problem is rooted in the fact that our dominant agricultural system is extractive. It's an extractive mode. And that's a legacy, really, of colonization. So this is really like a 500-year-old problem. And indigenous communities, communities of color, have been on the front lines of this problem for hundreds of years, responding to it with these ancestral traditions of regenerative agriculture and refining those strategies as strategies of survival and resistance. And so for me, as a white researcher and writer, you know, where I really ended the book is seeing the need to support these indigenous communities and communities of color and really take leadership from those initiatives and see that deep vision of regeneration, that it's not just about putting carbon back in the soil, that that's part and parcel of a larger process of shifting from this extractive economy and agriculture to this more mutually beneficial and reciprocal relationship. And that's a process of healing and repair and, and equity and justice. Okay, thank you for that. I really appreciate the um, connection that we're making today in this conversation. First of all, that we're one Earth, <laughs> all of us, and that the planet is connected, the um, soil and the air and the water and our health and the lives of all the other species on the planet are connected. And we have a responsibility to steward or take care of, um, of this land. So we're gonna take another break uh, we're going to come back again. I'm with here with Liz Carlisle and Dr. Cynthia Lee, and we are going to come right back with a little bit more. Stay tuned.
All right, we're back, everyone. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and online worldwide all the time at kpfa.org. We're here with our guests, Dr. Cynthia Lee and Liz Carlisle, and we're extolling the virtues of self-care, self-love, regenerative practices, and how we can ensure healthy minds, hearts, and spirits. Welcome again, folks. Would either of you care to speak on the anything else that you would like to share about um, advice maybe that you can give people for daily um, care or ways of thinking about their health or advice? I'm leaving it up open. Well, I would just like to comment on what Liz shared so beautifully. It's basically the same model um, for Mm -hmm. whether it's our individual bodies or it is the body of the planet that we're inhabiting. And both of them, we actually have to learn how to inhabit. I think, you know, the, the word extractive is so, it's a stark word because actually what we're doing is we're extracting and we're externalizing everything to the point where we actually have not learned how to inhabit our bodies. I mean, that that's a lot of what I actually work with patients doing. It is something, it's a psychological coping mechanism when we're young when there's a lot of trauma going on. And even if there's not a lot of trauma going on, you know, just just learning how to live and be a human being, a citizen in the world, uh, especially these days, can be really challenging. And one of the first coping mechanisms that we tend to do is if something feels imminently threatening, we consciously, you know, at least in our minds, we leave our bodies. And so when we leave our bodies for long enough, similar to, uh, you know, dissociating from the earth that we live on, um, we can begin to um, have this sense of separation and otherness, like, oh, my body is doing this to me, you know, when when things um, start becoming imbalanced, and we have experienced uncomfortable symptoms, it feels like our body is betraying us, and our body is doing something to us. And yet, what's happened is that we have not inhabited our bodies. And so how do we do that? How do we be with the discomfort and actually learn to embrace it and then to transform it? And one of the other pieces that really you know stood out to me, actually two pieces were um, the ancestral piece and a lot of the ways in which, you know, I work with patients on healing, you know, whatever ails them is going back into ancestral foods. How did they prepare? How did they grow their food? How do they connect with their food? How do they eat their food? And then, uh, and, and what did they, you know, eat? And also um, ancestral lifestyles. So, uh, and then the other piece was feminine. So we talked about, I mentioned earlier, that healing is rebalancing, you know, and another way to say healing is conscious change. And one of the ways that things have been out of balance is the masculine energy really masking the feminine energies. And so in our bodies uh, and with our minds, actually, a lot of that is uh, tuning back into the uh, the intuitive mind. And, okay, what, you know, what does your inner guidance tell you? You know, um, how do you move into the mystery and embrace the chaos and the mystery of not knowing and trust it? as opposed to, um, you know, seeing everything very, very um, didactically laid out, which is just a tiny, tiny fraction of a percent of what we know about the universe. 
So, um, and we know that, you know, from, from astrophysics is like 96 to 98% of the universe is actually beyond measurement and beyond our technologies. So when we are working with, for example, in my case, the thyroid test, it's such a small fraction of the totality of healing and disease. And so how do we begin, you know, in a medical paradigm to, to move beyond that? And so much of it is going back to ancestral ways. What did our forefathers and foremothers do? How did they live in harmony? They didn't have all these technologies. They didn't have all these tests. And yet they knew how to heal. So um, there's a lot of wisdom that has been lived that has not been tapped into. Hmm. Yeah, that's all incredibly fascinating, Dr. Lee. And as you were talking about this, kind of what can our technologies see, it was reminding me of a conversation about soil science and how how long has soil science been around? There's kind of, sometimes this question is debated, um, but many indigenous cultures, the way that they monitored soil was that they were really good at seeing really subtle changes in plants and even animals that ate plants. And so they could see changes in plants and that told them about the quality of soil. And they could also learn a lot from their senses, um, you know, touching soil and feeling its texture, even tasting soil or smelling soil. And so this question about, well, do we need these high powered microscopes that we have now in order to be soil scientists and classify I'm, that's one set of tools, but there is these other sets of tools that have allowed people to successfully manage soil and manage soil health, arguably a lot better than we're doing right now with these very high-powered tools because there was a different set of goals. There, there were really sophisticated strategies for observation and monitoring, and paired with that, there was this um, sounder sort of philosophy about how soil had to be managed for reciprocal well-being rather than the idea that... Um, you know, you could test it, you could see what value was there, and then you could extract it, and then maybe you could put it back with chemicals. There was this understanding that, oh, that living system has to be sustained. But all of that um, understanding of the idea of a microbial world within soil was very much present within this indigenous knowledge, even though people didn't have microscopes where you could put that microbe um, on a slide and blow it up and, you know, uh, take a picture of it. All right. That sounds so wonderful. I love that we did this together tonight. I love that we're able to bring information to people to help heal themselves and their and our communities. Y'all, the work that both of you have done is great. And I want to thank you for sharing yourself with us. But um, can you speak a little bit more about the environmental studies program at UC Santa Barbara? Yeah, well, I'm I'm really lucky to get to work there. We have over a thousand undergraduate majors in environmental studies, and uh, most of them come from California. Many of them are first-generation college students, um, but from all over the state, and some folks from outside of the state as well. And um, just really passionate about environmental solutions and tackling climate change and biodiversity loss and also environmental justice challenges, many of which, you know, they and their families have faced. So it's just an incredible privilege to facilitate, um, you know, as these folks learn and develop and, and become the next generation of environmental leaders. And um, what sort of things are they, do the students eventually do once they graduate or what kind of work do they are they involved in do you know 
Yeah. I mean, so many things, which is why I honestly love teaching at the undergraduate level, um, because, you know, some students will go on to research work and writing work, but also students go into policy and advocacy and lead community organizations. You know, they go to law school. Some of them go into healing professions um, like Dr. Lee, um, public health, because, you know, we just need people in all of these different sectors to help solve these really big, complex environmental challenges. And, and these students come with so many different gifts. Some of them are incredible storytellers. Some of them have this incredible interpersonal capacity to build coalitions and shift the way people think. And so it's just wonderful to see them not only building their skills, but as they build friendships with each other, you know, I think about, wow, where are they going to be in 10, 20 years? And if they know each other, you know, how can they as this big network and coalition really shift and transform the world? And that's so much what we need, right? For the next generation to take up the mantle and do the work that needs to be done. And Dr. Lee, I want to get back to you as well. I know that you do a lot of community work. In fact, um, I I learned that you, there's some podcasts going on and you've written other books too. Can you tell us a little bit more about how your experience has helped you come back uh, and help the community? Absolutely. Um, you know, when I started out in my medical training, it was to uh, be a public health doctor. And um, I began working in uh, underserved communities I was uh, working with people living with HIV and AIDS at a time when it was, you know, very much stigmatized. That was really where my heart was. And um, I also did a stint in rural China, working with Doctors Without Borders, helping them set up an HIV AIDS clinic there. And so I thought that that was my, you know, that was my path <laughs> until, until my, my life told me otherwise. And so what's been really beautiful, and this is where kind of the mystery of everything and surrendering to that really comes full circle because I laugh now. I'm, I'm you know, I'll give talks. I, I do a lot of work with medical students and residents. A couple of months ago, I gave a talk to the U.S. State Department. You know, I was, and I was laughing. I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is the public health, you know, the community service that is my life, you know, as opposed to a much... Uh, more um, concrete path that I had envisioned for myself. So um, it is, it's, it's, um, as Liz was saying, I feel very honored and uh, privileged to be, to be sharing what I've learned and lived through with people in all sorts of different fields. And I learn just as much from them as, as I share with them. And, you know, I would say first off is that I, I learn the most by working one-on-one -on -one with my patients. And so even as I work more with larger groups, which has a totally different vibration and a different reach, uh, it's the one-on-one -on -one work where uh, not only do I learn about, you know, the human condition, but I learn the most about myself. I, I can see my limitations. I can see my blind spots much more and my challenges when I'm working one-on-one. -on -one. So um, for a while, I worked, uh, I served on faculty at uh, the University of California, San Francisco Medical Center uh, with the residents in a program called the Healer's Art, uh, was one of my mentors, um, Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen, who was a real pioneer in the integrative medicine movement 
um, I mean, I say was, she's, she's still alive and very much uh, a force in my life. She is retired, however. <laughs> so, but really uh, what the program does is help restore the humanity back into medicine. You know, most, most people that I know who go into medicine um, back when I was training and even now, they're beautiful human beings. The process of it is so rigorous that, you know, we basically learn to survive. So we're in fight or flight mode, basically, to, to get through the training. And something happens to a lot of us when we go through that process. So this program is really um, not just giving permission to doctors in training to reconnect to that. Uh, but but helping them, you know, but serving and providing a a um, a platform, a safe place for exploration and vulnerability. And so, you know, the 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 doctor or the healer, you know, in whatever lineage that people train in, who is truly in touch with themselves and their own healing. I mean, you know, um, the the saying that we are you know, only able to heal as much as others as we have been able to heal ourselves is it really rings true. Yeah. So I really enjoy, you know, the different ways in which my work is manifesting. And I, I did write another book. Um, it's an ebook that is, uh, has been freely offered since its publication. My publishers, um, who, uh, New Harbinger, who published Brave New Medicine, um, this was a collaboration with them just after the pandemic broke out and sheltering in place had just begun. So it was, it was published in um, February or March of 2020, uh, back before, you know, any studies on COVID-19 and all the different variants had come out, you know, very little was known then. And so this was a booklet on how to strengthen your immune system, because we knew that the difference between people who were, having severe disease um, versus those who are having mild or asymptomatic. And again, this was back before any variants, um, but the greatest difference was the, the strength and the, the balance that was in their immune system. So again, when we, when we draw on, on mechanisms, like how the body works and how the immune system works, looking at whole foods diets, looking at movement, we don't actually need a lot of specific reductionist science and randomized controlled trials. We're really looking at uh, some common sense, and we're also looking at patterns that have evolved over time, either with previous viruses, you know, flu epidemics, and uh, when the avian flu came out, the run-of-the-mill cold viruses. A lot of studies have been done on strengthening the immune response against these viruses and then just you know how do we take care of ourselves and what's the what's the science on movement and the immune system you know what's the science on uh, practices like qigong and yoga on rebalancing the nervous system which is a huge source of stress for the immune system if it's out of balance if we're constantly stressed out so what was really interesting was people, you know, I have some supplements in there too. Like supplements are really easy to give, right? Or for people to take. It's, it can be easier than someone totally changing their diet or, you know, starting a new mind-body practice. 
Um, so there were some supplements in there as well, you know, vitamin D3. We know that's necessary for the immune system to know how to function, you know, certain anti-inflammatories and antioxidants. Uh, so as the pandemic unfolded, some people said, well, oh, do you need to go back? Do you want to add stuff to your ebook? And I looked at the ebook maybe like six months later, and it was still pertinent. And not only that, but there were some studies that then came out about vitamin D3, <laughs> magnesium, you know, some of these key essential nutrients that our bodies need. And the, the research studies were specific for COVID-19. And so I just, I just laughed, you know, at how, no, I don't need to change anything, you know, because I, I was just working really at the essential level. And at that level, you know, it, it is safe. It is widely pertinent, um, you know, to most people. So that's the other book. And it's called um, How to Strengthen Your Inner Shield. And the inner shield, of course, I'm referring to the immune system. And it was in contrast to the outer shield, which is what we usually hear about from the CDC, from the media, you know, about gloves and masks and hand sanitizer and distancing. And they're both important. But the one that really builds resilience is the, the inner workings, the, the inner shield. Okay. Thank you both so much for sharing. I've learned so much tonight, and I know I'll continue to learn. And I want to encourage everyone to go out and get your books. But let's take a quick break. Um, I want to do a little music, Joy, and we'll come right back. Lately I've been really watching the nightly news. Don't seem to find the rhythm. Just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never stops Feels like it's never gonna Gotta get that fire, fire back in my bones Before my heart, heart turns into stone So won't somebody please pass the megaphone I'll shout it on the count of three One, two, three Oh, hear my pretty night I'm singing to the sky
joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. Okay, that was Joy by King and Country. And we're hoping to add joy, happiness, music, and dancing to your life through conscious, healthy, and connected living. I want to thank you both for sharing yourself with us tonight. Dr. Cynthia Lee's book, Brave New Medicine, and Liz Carla's book, Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming are both essential readings. So go out and get them. Thank you so much for having me, Joy, and it's great to be here with you, Cynthia, as well. Thank you so much, Joy. We will have a link to both of our guests' info tonight at our, on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. And once again, we'd like to thank both of our guests um, who contributed tonight's program for sharing their time with us. Thank you. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for information, pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. I'd like to give a shout out to our special guests, Dr. Cynthia Lee and Liz Carlisle for sharing their groundbreaking works with us tonight. And don't forget, if you have any comments about the show, you can go to our website, kpfaapprentice.org, and let us know your thoughts. Thank you. The Full Circle team tonight was executive producer, Ms. M, myself, production consultant and host, and Free Will and Franklin, who is our marvelous technical director. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to please protect your health and your humanity, and stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is LaAnda Baita. All right, this is Prebo and Franklin at the controls, jumping in here at the last minute since there is a couple minutes left. Big shout out to Joy Moore for stepping up tonight and hosting the show. And a special shout out to her guest, Dr. Lee and Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for that great information. And I got a minute here to pick a song, so I'll go out with one that I Hope goes with the theme of the show, and this is Mama by Audio Pharmacy, and it kind of relates to the earth, taking care of the earth, taking care of ourselves. So thanks everybody again for pitching in to make Full Circle happen tonight, 
and I'll see you all next week with our retrospective flashback at the UFW's pilgrimage from Delano to Sacramento that wound up last week. We'll have a flashback of our recordings and what it meant to us. Peace, everyone. Good night. Tears fell from the sky, might as well have been from the third eye. train her a controller you can only worship caretaker and hold her mama is the life give up take her and hold her of 
of our spirit, mind, and body, our life we owe her. Some will never know her power and never show her love and affection. She will never lose. Mama, or providing our life, we love you, Mama.